Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I, uh, I, I want to say welcome and, uh, and welcome to those that are watching online. I, uh, I do want you to know is that, uh, as you can see, there's a different graphic up. I've had to switch gears. Mentally, I've needed to switch gears, but also I've kind of had a lot going on to where I just needed to, to kind of shift back into, uh, back into something that's probably going to reach a lot of you, that you're both, you're, maybe some of you are going through the same things that I was, and maybe that this would kind of help redirect your steps as, as it helped me break down, redirect my steps. Um, I don't want you to think about this. So I want you to kind of work through this a little bit. And I know that some of us in here, we've never, ever expected to be down, right? You know, and what I'm talking about down is I'm talking about mentally down as being depressed, right? None of us ever really did that, right? And so for me, on the outside, no one knows, right? Nobody knows when you're depressed, you know? And for me, I, I, it was good. I could preach. I could, I, I looked healthy. I, I could, I've got all these things that are going on. My marriage is going good, but on the inside, I felt depressed. I felt it. I knew it. I could tell what was going on. And so it gets to this point where we start calling it burnout in church. That's what we do. We call it burnout. We call it, we call it you know, and so you get to this mind and you go, I can't keep up. I can't keep going in this direction. I can't, I can't go on how things have been going. And I think for some of you, you're in that same position where you're facing some of this depression. You're facing some of it. And it's starting to weigh down on you. And you know, the problem is in church, we don't talk about it enough. We don't even talk about it at all. We, we, mental health, as soon as you bring that up in church, it's like we're swearing in church. Is what ends up coming out of it. And maybe I'm being too real with you. Maybe I'm kind of giving you too much and you're like, oh, wow, you, you know. But, uh, but you, you have to get to this point where you realize... You know, and I, for me, I needed help. I had to start talking to somebody. I needed to start talking through and start having and sharing with somebody and going, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And a lot of us, when we do that, when we get to this point where we go, I need help, people feel ashamed about it. They're embarrassed. And, and you know, and for me, it's not that I'm just, it's not only that I'm a Christian, but I happen to be a pastor that's talking to somebody else. Anybody ever watch the show that uh, The Sopranos? Right? Anybody ever watch that? He would go talk to his counselor every week, and he had to keep it undercover because if anybody found out about what he was doing, that they would be like, "Hey, we got to we got to get rid of Tony because Tony's all of a sudden he's he's having this mental breakdown, and we got we can't have this guy running what we're doing." See, sadly, some of you can relate to that. Outwardly, you look fine, but inwardly, you are everything is just you're, you're in shambles. Some of you are depressed, some of you are anxious, some of you are stressed, some of you are worn down, and I want you to know that you're not alone. I, I want you to know that. You're just not alone. There's lots of people in here that are facing through the same things. And so when we talk about this, we're going to talk about a little bit about mental health. We're going to talk about this peace of mind that you hear about in Scripture often, and then we're going to talk about some myths of mental health today. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So we're going to dive in in 1 Thessalonians 5. Verses 23 and 24. And it says, may God himself. And here's the important part. I want you to underline this. The God of peace sanctify you through and through. So here, and so stopping there. So underline. So if you don't mind writing your Bible, which I hope you don't. Uh, it's, a, you know, underline the God of peace. And then that, there's, and then also kind of go a little further on and say sanctify through and through. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and the reason why I want you to look, think about this is because that sanctification, that word that you hear, sanctified, is not just a Christian swear word, right? Because that, that, that's what we time to, tend to take it as. You know, the sanctification is this, uh, this process of being closer and closer to God each and every day. But what we're talking about is this inward change that starts to happen within you. And so this peace that's supposed to be brought upon you, this change, this inward change, it's supposed to be through and through. You know, what we could say is from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head, right? You know, so anybody ever heard that line before? I love you from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. My wife wouldn't say that to me. She says, I love you from your ankles to the top of your head because your feet are terrible. You know, and so, so the reason why I bring this up is because are you through and through? Do you have the peace of God? You know, is, it, is that something that's in you? Is that something that you're dealing with? And then, so let's go through this a little bit. And it says, may your whole 
spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Right? So just, just think about this. Through and through, your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. And I know that some of you are going, hey, Mike, you shouldn't be, this is church. You shouldn't be talking about mental health. You know, the answer, and this is what happens often in a lot of churches, the answer is always, if you come to Jesus, everything is, everything is healed. Jesus heals everything. Jesus takes care of it all. All of a sudden, you walk in, and it's, everything is perfect. Jesus fixes everything. He'll save you. He'll redeem you. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost power. All things for good, right? Isn't these all these things that we've been hearing all of our lives in church? These are all the things you've heard. Just because Jesus saves you doesn't mean he fixes everything. Okay, you should know this. So, so Jesus saved me. I did not wake up with a six-pack abs. Right? I was like, God, why didn't you make me skinny? Right? What, what happened? Where did the disconnect come from? Where did it, what happened here? I wanted my spiritual six-pack. I do have it. I have the spiritual six-pack. It's underneath the fat. Right? right? How about this? How about you get to this point where you go, God, I, Jesus, I'm born again now. Why isn't my credit score up? What happened? Why didn't you fix everything? Why isn't my hair thicker? Why aren't my thighs thinner? What, you know, why didn't you take care of all this? Just because you're a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean instantly your mental health is going to be better. It just doesn't mean that. You know, here's, here's what I want you to do. Those that are in here, and if you happen to be at home, just say it along with me. Say, mental health. Mental health. Uh, uh, you guys did pretty good. I don't think those at home got it, though. So I think they looked at the screen, and you're like, I ain't saying that. <laughs> so let's try this again. Say, mental health. Mental all right. So we're going to talk about this. And so, we're gonna talk, and so all of us deal with this at some point or another. And so mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being, right? And it impacts most areas of our life. We're talking how you think, how you feel, how you act, how you act, how you handle stress, how you relate to other people, how you make choices, how you bounce back from difficulties. That's what all of this comes into. And so many misunderstandings in the church about the foundation of our mental health things here. And so there's two mental health myths, apologize for that that we want to be able to address. And so if you're trying to follow along and you're like, "Hey, Mike, where are your notes at?" They're in the app. Download our app. You get the you get the app. You get the notes. You can download the app. You get the app, obviously. But uh, but the notes are there. <laughs> and and then I have a feeling today's going to be pretty good. You can share it with some people. So you can just do that in there as well. So myth number one: Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Right? How many of you ever heard that? If you so, I know people personally. They've come up to me and they go, they go, Mike, I was other churches and they say that I, I i should never be depressed and i go really why not they say because jesus fixes everything that's that's not true that's not a true statement there that's not a true statement i've had people come up to me and go you know uh mike my pastor told me that i should not be taking antidepressants and i go is your pastor a doctor you're like did i did i like because i'm i'm sure that he's qualified to make those medical decisions, right? I'm sure that he's qualified to come out or he and she is qualified to come out and say, you should not be taking medication. That, I, you know, it's like if, I, I mean, just think about it. If I tell you, hey, I know that you had this massive infection going on, but Jesus fixes everything. Psalms 91 says that no disease can ever hurt you. Stop taking that. Would you take that as a, would you be walking out and be like, you know what, Mike, you're right. I'm not going to take any medications here ever again, right? So why is it that with the antidepressants or with anxiety medication or any of that stuff that we go, you know, the pastor's right. I think I will stay in chronic depression. I think I will. I think it's, it's really good for me. I like feeling sorry about myself. I like this terrible feeling. I like all of those things. I like, I, I think it's perfect. Why would we do that? I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, you know, isn't that the definition of insanity? To do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results? And that's really what we're doing there. As a Christian, we've been told you shouldn't battle anxiety, depression, and burnout. And if you do, it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. 
you're not praying enough, and you must be living in sin. That, that's what we've been told. You can still love Jesus and fight depression. I want you to know that. And you can faithfully read God's word and still battle anxiety. And, and you know, here's the thing. You can attend church. You can tithe. You can sit in the front row. You can serve. And you can still struggle to overcome traumas in your life. It just happens to this. So why don't we look at some heroes in the Bible and see what they kind of went through. So Elijah, anybody ever heard of Elijah? He was so depressed, he wished he would die. He got to this point where he's sitting underneath a tree, and he goes, God, please just kill me. Anybody? You know, he's just, you remember reading about that? God, just please kill me. Or, or how about David? He was just in complete despair. Just in complete despair. And then Jeremiah, you would see this, he's kind of known as the weeping prophet, he, fe- he, he, went, he faced loneliness and insecurity, and he cursed the day that he was born. You know, this is the things that we see that, that people are dealing with in the Bible. How can we not relate and go, we deal with this today? The same things that were happening then. People in the Bible were struggling mentally. Christians say, you need more God, and that's the answer. See, see we we're told, do more good, get more sleep. Find better friends. Have a healthier diet. You know, your doctor goes, you have a hormone deficiency. You have a chemical imbalance. You need, a, you need therapy. And really, there is a holistic approach, and you can go through this. You do need God, and you need this holistic approach to mental health, but it starts with God, and you still use everything else that directs your steps. So you do spend time with God. You do spend time in prayer. You do spend time in the Word. But then you still meet with counselors. You still meet with the doctors as necessary and allow them to direct your steps as well. See, struggling does not mean that you're not a good Christian. It means you're human. That's just what it is. It doesn't mean that you're not a good Christian. It just means that you're human. So we just said, myth number one is Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. Myth number two is that God doesn't care about your mental health. That's a myth that a lot of us believe, right? We think that God is too busy with bigger problems, and I want you to know not only that he cares, he cares a lot. You know, look at Psalms, right? If you open up and you read the Psalms, and it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed. God is our refuge and strength. He is our ever-present help in times of trouble. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, the psalm that you never want on a coffee mug, though, is Psalm 88. It's written by a guy named He-Man, right? You know, that's his name. Is not, and, and he's also known as Shura. What's that? I don't know. And, uh, yeah, he's the master of the universe, strongest dude ever. You know, goes up against Skeletor all the time. No, 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 different dude. <laughs> different dude. So, you know, and so when you start to look at this, this is where Christians could look back and they can admire him, they can respect him. And see, He-Man, in the Bible, he's known for having great wisdom. He's known for his musical ability. He's known for being a committed, like, he's known for giving committed parenting results. He's like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And he's also known for service to the king. And so here's what he says. And so when you look at this in Psalms 88, again, you don't want this printed on your coffee cup, right? This isn't the one you go, hey, everything's perfect. It says, and here's what I want you to do. In Psalm, we're going to start in Psalms 88, verse three, verse 3. And two words in, it says, I am, and then underlined, overwhelmed with my troubles. I am overwhelmed with my troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down into the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. It's kind of like we hear this statement from, get right, why don't you? But I cry for your help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken from me my friend and neighbor, then darkness darkness is my closest friend. Wow, right? When you read this, you start to see... so. Understand in Psalms, Psalms, you have three different kind of categories that go in here. You have, you have, you have praise, right? You have you know, people that are in there, they're praising God in Psalms. 
you have songs that are in Psalms, and then you have lamenting that are in Psalms, right? So as you read this, and lamenting means to cry out to God. And obviously, Psalms 88 is, is He-Man crying out to God. God, why are you so far from me? Why do I... Why am I embracing the darkness? Why am I so depressed? Why am I here? And see, here's the thing about He-Man. He loved God. He served God. But he didn't have a mental health professional to talk to. It's just what it was. And see, here's what you should understand in this, is that God is not afraid of our honesty. God wants to hear it. He cares. He hears your hurts. And when you hurt, he hurts. And we need to start being more transparent with God. We need to start spending more time with God. We need to start spending more with him going, God, I need your help here. I need to get through this. I, as I'm dealing with this, I need you to help me get through my hurts. I need, to, I need help with this. And, and see, for me, I was there. I was struggling. I called a counselor. I was like, I got to get through this. Yeah, your pastor called a counselor. Spent time on the phone with him several, several times. Just going, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's going on. This is where I'm at. And see, getting help is not a sign of weakness it's a sign of wisdom it is it's not a sign of weakness it is a sign of wisdom see some of us you 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 think that you're in bad shape until you go through a series of tests and you realize hey i'm not in bad shape i i uh maybe you've kind of been there like (laughs) so eight weeks ago i was seven pounds heavier than what I am right now, right? That's why people go, Mike, you're swimming in your clothes on stage. I know, I get it. But I'm not, I'm not done losing weight, so I'm not going to go start spending money on clothes yet. They're like, well, you can go buy a couple shirts. Uh-uh, because I won't fit me in a week. It's not going to work out. And so, so here's the thing, though. When they would do blood work on me, they'd be like, hey, everything's great. I went in, I had a cardiologic, I had a stress test done on my heart where they put you on a treadmill and tell you to run like a rat. And, uh, and so I get off that, and the guy, they do the sonogram, and they check my heart, and they check the valves, and they look at it, and they go, hey, everything's good. And I go, well, it doesn't feel good. It feels like it's getting ready to come out of my chest. And he's like, well, we just, we just ran you like a horse. We, it's supposed to come out. It's supposed to feel that way. And I was like, okay. I would have an EKG done at the doctor. They'd be like, hey, everything's perfect. Everything looks good. Everything sounds good. I had, I had to go in and have a, a lung stress test where they test how, how long your lung, because I was like, hey, I just, you know, and the doctor was like, hey, we just, just check everything. Your mom had lung cancer. Let's just go through and just run a gamut of tests on you and just see how things are. And so I went in and they go, nope, everything's perfect. I go, then why am I still so fat? Why is it that I can't lose weight? What is happening here? And he, and he would say, maybe you should stop eating so much. And I was like, I was like, oh, good point. But so I would go in and they would run this series of tests on me. And they would go, hey, you're not in that bad of shape, but you're, you're, you're bigger than what you're supposed to be, right? You know, it's just kind of, and so you would have this that physically my body was healthy, but spiritually I was unhealthy. Spiritually, I was, I was eating in order to deal with everything else that I had going on, and I was still relationally unhealthy with food, and I was relationally unhealthy with those around me. So a lot of you guys see me, I walk around, and I walk around kind of like they, I'm known as Grumpy Mike. In fact, my wife buys me shirts from Grumpy all the time, like those are the seven dwarfs, and I, which is kind of kind of an oxymoron because I am not a dwarf I'm actually a giant but but I understand where she's at right because I am I'm kind of like I but the thing is if you get to know me I'm not really grumpy at all I, I mean I can be grumpy especially if I don't get much sleep but I'm not a grumpy person I'm really generous I'm caring I'm loving I want to do everything I can for people but I but I that, that's my reaction for things I just go and then I run off and, and that's how it goes you know, and see, that's how we have to get to. And see, but the other thing that we need to be reminded of, you aren't just your mental health, right? You can't just go, you just can't go on, well, I'm anxious, or I'm depressed, or I'm this, and then ride with that and go, this is where I'm at. So in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and learn to love God with all of your mind. That's what I get to. See, you, you know, I, I know that uh, we often don't realize this, but our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if you are thinking about your depression all the time, you're going to be moving in that direction. If you're thinking about all your anxiousness. So here's the thing. 
What do they tell you to do if you have, if, if you ever have a panic attack, what do they tell you to do? Stop focusing, stop focusing on your, on your heart or focusing on whatever is making you do that and start focusing on your breathing. Breathe through your nose, out through your mouth. Breathe, you know, calm yourself down. Change what you are thinking about because your life will move in your strongest, in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you think this way, if you go, I'm anxious, and all of a sudden you start getting to this point where it feels like my heart's going to come out of my chest, and it keeps going and going, and you keep thinking about that, then guess what's going to happen? You can, ha you can give yourself a heart, a heart attack by your thoughts. That's how strong your mind is. Your mind is so strong that you can literally give yourself a heart attack. And, and we don't even think about it. We, we, it and, and so by shifting your thoughts to something else, it makes it to where you actually move in a new direction. See, yeah, and I need you to understand something. It's not going to happen instantaneously, right? You're not going to be able to train your mind today to, so that all of a sudden it's over, right? Your brains were built over time. Your brains didn't just, you didn't just start coming out and be like, and it started at birth, right? You didn't just get, you weren't born and all of a sudden you're like, I'm anxious. You know, you didn't come out of the womb going, hey, I think my heart's going to come out of my chest, right? That happened over time. It happened as you experienced things, as things were going on. Your brain starts making simple connection, and they're called neural pathways. And so when that starts to happening, your first, for, your first few years, you have greater than one million neural pathways. Your first few years of life. Just think about that. There's that many connections in your brain that are kind of telling your thoughts which way to go. And so we go, hey, we're going to start making some shifts, and we want to change things. Every second, your brain is firing off and it's almost a million snapses every single second. Every second. To change that is going to take longer than us just going, oh, I want to change it now. We're going to have to redirect things. We're going to have to train things a little differently. We're going to have to move things around. So after your brain starts to learn, your connections become more and more simplified as if you're doing some pruning, right? So some of us, the easiest connection for us in, 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 in a case of fear or a case of something's going wrong, the easiest thing that the connection that our brain has made is to be anxious about it or to be depressed about something or to have this going on. It's the easiest thing for our brain to do because that's what it's been trained to do. That's the direction it's gone. And as your brain gets to be more efficient, it starts to think in patterns. So your brain, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you look out into the world, that if you, uh, if you look out into the world right now, and if, you were, if your brain wasn't doing all the extra work that it's doing, you would see little holes everywhere in the world, right? Because your brain doesn't actually pick up everything that you're seeing. Your eyeballs don't pick up everything that's out there. Your eyeballs pick up a good portion of what's out there, and then your brain fills in the rest of it. It creates, this, it creates all these things. So as you think that you go, oh, I have really great vision. No, you have a really good brain that is filling in all the holes and making it to where it's better. And so... As you're going through things, your brain starts to think in patterns because it's doing so much, it has to start creating shortcuts. It, it just has to start doing things. Have you ever seen the illusion where somebody puts a mirror right here and you have one arm on one side and you, and you have a fake arm on this side and you, your brain just sees it and guess what happens? You smash it with a hammer, you feel the pain. The reason why is because your brain has already taken a shortcut. You're like, hey, I should feel pain for that. You know, anytime you ever had, if you've ever gone off and anybody, have you ever touched a stove and didn't realize that it was hot? You know, like you put your hand on a hot stove and you didn't feel the pain for a second until you realized, I got my hand on a hot stove. Then you're like, oh, it hurts. Well, you know why it didn't hurt? Because your brain didn't see it. And so if you didn't see it, your brain didn't pick it up in order to make you feel pain. It, it, our brains are so, so smart. And so as you try to, if you think about this, if you're moving in the thought of our if, if they're moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, what are we thinking about? What is it that our minds are going on? And so, as your brain is getting more efficient, we have to change the direction of it. We have to change how it starts, the new patterns of it. We have to start going, I have to start doing this. And so, once you start thinking a thought, it becomes easier to. And the good news is that when you're healthy, you can start feeling those things. And when you're not healthy, your brain will actually keep going in the direction of not being healthy. You'll go further and further down that rabbit hole. When your body isn't healthy, what do you do? You change your diet. You exercise more. You renew your mind is what we need to start doing. So how do we renew our minds? You know, and so here's, and so we're going to use one verse. 
And it's not a mental health verse, right? It's, a, it's, it's this want, it's this desire. And maybe you need to write it down. In fact, you had these journals that we have been given out. And so maybe you need to write down this one verse. And it said, and so it's Isaiah 26, 3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And here's, here's what I want you to know. It doesn't say occasional peace, right? It doesn't say, hey, every once in a while you'll be in peace. It does, it, 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 it says, and it doesn't say momentary peace, and it doesn't say circumstantial peace. It says perfect peace. It's that word shalom. Anybody ever heard that word shalom? It's peace. And, and, and see, where do we get this? How do we get this? Who experiences shalom? Who experiences this? Those who fix their thoughts on CNN. No. Those who fix their thoughts on Fox News. No. Those who obsess about the economy. No. Those who spend all day scrolling on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. No. You will keep in perfect peace all those who fix their thoughts on you. Those who keep their thoughts fixed on Jesus. And so I gave you this word, and it's Samak, S-A-W, so the word is S-A-M-A-K, and so if you have the notes, you'll, you'll see it there, but it means to prop, to, to rest your full weight on an object, to, to, and so here's the thing, a lot of us, what is propping you up? You know, what is it that you're using as a prop? What is it that's holding you up? And so some of us, we have codependency issues, so it's our spouse that keeps us propped up. They're like, hey, let me just put this chair underneath you and we'll do this. But a lot of us others have other things that keep us propped up. It's money. It's success. It's the vehicles we drive. It's the house we live in. It's, it's whatever it is. And so we have these props. And really what we're told to do is to be propped up by Jesus. Is where we need to be at. We need to be fixing our mind on Jesus on a regular basis. And where is it that we are fixing our minds? Where is it that we are keeping our thoughts? Where is it that when, when something goes wrong, where do you look? to where do you go what happens do you fix your thoughts on jesus trying to change your neural pathways or do you where do you go with it what direction do you go how does things happen where do you go i can do this i can do all things through mike who gives me strength and i think that's where we get to often we go i can muscle through this i know i've said that i can go i can figure this out i do it often actually i often go i can figure this out instead of going i can trust on god to help me get through this and see, the problem is we continue to move in that direction knowing that we can't figure it out. Again, it's the definition of insanity. We do the same thing over and over and over again, and it continues to lead to the same results that we had in the past. It doesn't change. We still fight into anxiety. We still end up depressed. We still end up going through all the struggles that we have when we're not actually doing what god has asked us to do is fixing our thoughts on jesus so we need to get back to that second peter 1 3 his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him all right so now i'm going to get on a, a little bit of a kick because I, I maybe i've already been on a little bit of a kick but let's kind of change this a little bit and go in a little different direction so here is a major problem for 90% of households in America. So um, when I was a kid, and maybe some of you can experience this as well, anybody realize how long cartoons were on TV? Uh, they weren't on 24 hours when I was a kid, so let's just kind of change this. They were on from 3 from three o'clock until 5 o'clock after school, right? You know, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock, watch the Animaniacs, you'd watch this, you'd watch whatever it was. And then on Saturday mornings until 10 o'clock, right? Six to 10. That's what it was. After 10 o'clock, it turned into some garbage TV because you're like, I'm turning this off and going out and playing. Okay, right? That's just how it was. And so we're, really what they were trying to do is the TV was catering to adults. At five o'clock, adults got home. They were going to stop catering to kids. And at 10 o'clock in the morning, adults had gotten up and they were ready to start going around their house. That's the reason why football starts at 10 a.m., by the way. Starts at 10 a.m., because that's when men drag themselves out of bed on their days off. <laughs> Just how it is. And so 
with that mindset, that's how they started catering to it. Now, anybody heard of how many Disney channels there are? There's like seven of them, right? And they have an East Coast feed and a West Coast feed of each one of them. And then you have Nickelodeon, and they have a whole bunch. And then you have Boomerang, and they have a couple channels. And then you have, you have PBS that's now got its own cartoon channel. And you have this one. And then you have HBO that has its own cartoon channel now. It's 24 hours a day of teaching your children to sit in front of the TV. 24 hours a day. And then when they're not in front of the TV, guess what they're in front of? They're in front of YouTube. They're in front of TikTok. They're in front of Instagram. They're in front of this. Your child has no idea what the real world looks like because all they've seen it is through a t an iPad. No idea what it looks like. They don't even know what a tree feels like because you don't let them go outside because you're afraid they're going to get kidnapped. <laughs> hey, what does the bark of a tree feel like? I have no idea. I've seen it on Instagram. <laughs> what? And see, the problem is, is that we aren't out actually experiencing life. We are watching others experience it through TV, through Instagram, through Facebook, through YouTube, through all of these things. And we start going, anybody ever seen the movie WALL-E? Yeah. Anybody see how people were in WALL-E? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you rode a car around because you were too fat to carry yourself around. The average weight of the United States, the average weight of the United States citizens since 1980 has increased 35 pounds. 30 five pounds since 1980. That's track, if that continues to go in that track, in that direction, up another 35 pounds in the next 40 years, and another 35 in the next 40 years, and by 2021, or 2100, 20, 20, which none of us will live to see, I don't think. I mean, some of your children might get to see it, but by that time, will be uh, the average weight of a US citizen will be 330 pounds. right? 330 pounds. So just think about it. If it keeps going that way, we'll be riding around in little cars in order to, uh, to get around. I, I, so it's not that far fetched that Wally could possibly happen. And the reason why is because we're not actually living life. We're watching it on screens. And so what we have to do is we have to make this fundamental shift to get back to actually being part of this. I, I met somebody just recently, probably in the last three months ago, and I asked him, I said, hey, what do you guys watch it on TV? He's like, we don't even have a TV in our house. And I go, all right, I got to take a step back because I wouldn't know what to do without a TV. He's like, you'd be amazed on what you do without a TV. You'll read, you'll, you'll play video games, you'll play games, you'll play, you'll play board games with your family, you'll talk to one another. I said, well, you guys must watch it on YouTube or something like that. He's like, we don't have that either. We, we turn off all technology at our house after five o'clock. And I go, so what do you guys do? He's all, we talk to one another. We go out, we ride our bikes together. We go out and we go do things. We go out and we actually do life together. We spend time reading the Bible. We spend time doing what God has asked us to do. We go out and we serve more. We go out and we take care of our neighbors. We go out and we actually knock on the door and ask them if they need anything. We go pray with our neighbors. We have allowed TV to take over our lives. And it's affected our mental health so drastically that more people are currently prescribed antidepressants and anxiety medication than ever before in this world. That's what's happened. It's, it's where it's gone. We've allowed the TV because guess what? We're trying to live to those standards. You, whether you're watching whatever's on TV, whatever's going on, you're trying to live to those standards. And when you can't reach those standards, you go, oh my God, why, why is it that I feel this pressure? Because you put it on yourself. You're trying to live to a standard that God didn't set before you. That you allowed... Cosmo and GQ and and whatever else it is that you're spending time on That's made it to where you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing Scripture tells us God is the source of my strength But if you're not seeking God and you're seeking Whatever it is that you're watching on TV and you know, it could be it could be Whatever it is you're watching NBC CBS, you, you know CNN Fox News And if you think that Fox News is the source of your strength and you're probably an angry person and if you're watching CNN, you're probably an angry person. If you're both angry, you might as well just get over it all because you're not going to change anything. Okay, it's just how it is. Start going to God. Start seeking God and for direction. Start seeking, and you know, I, 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 asked, I had to ask this guy, I said, where do you get your news at? He's like, I read a newspaper. He's like, I was like, they still print those? I'm like, I didn't even know they still made those. He's like, he's like, yes. And so think about this. What are you allowing in on a regular basis? What are you doing? And I know that I'm going, hey, you should make some drastic changes. 
But you should make some drastic changes. You should make massive drastic changes because I can promise you right now, during COVID, did you guys know that during COVID, the average person went from watching four hours of TV a day to nine hours of TV a day? Those times that you were supposed to be working, you went to watching TV. That's what happened. I mean, just think about it. Go on to your, your, your internet provider will tell you how much time that you're spending streaming TV. Just go on there and go look and see how much time you're spending on streaming. I promise you, you're spending more time there than what God has asked you to do because God has asked you to go out and do life in this community. Go out and reach people for him. Go out and do life for him. Go out and do more for him. And you're like, no, 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 no. I love TV. You love TV more than you love God. That's what the problem is. You love, you, you love your, your, your iPad more than you love God. You love your, this is just source of your strength. This is the source of your peace. The TV is the source of your strength, the source of your peace. That's what it is. And, and we've gotten so comfortable with it and we've made it so acceptable that we've made it to where, hey, you know what we're going to do? Instead of actually doing life with other people, let's do it over Zoom. Let's make it to where we have a meeting this way or a meeting that way. We are called to do life together. This word community, to commune, to come and do things together is the essence, the essence of being a Christian. You want to get rid of anxiety, you want to get rid of depression, start doing life with people. Start, start actually experiencing things. Stop watching what other people are doing on Facebook and going, I want that. You don't really want that because you have no idea what the struggles were to get that photo right. They had to do it in 15 different ways. They had to go, oh, no, no, I got to take this again. I watch my wife do it all the time. She's like, oh, no, no, I got to turn the plate. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to make sure that it's absolutely perfect. You take nine pictures and then you take a picture, you do a selfie in front of it. Look, mm, this is what I'm eating today. Are you kidding me? And then you do that five different times. And then I hate it, by the way. We were at Disneyland this week, and she goes, take a picture with me. No. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not living my best life ever right now. <laughs> I tell people often, Disneyland is the happiest place on earth for children. It is the most angriest place on life for a mic. <laughs> Some of you have other opinions. God is my source and my strength. I have everything I need. I have everything I need to do everything he has called me to do. I have everything I need he's called me to do. So here's the thing. You won't be instantly better. And I can't even promise that you'll be instantly better in weeks. I can't promise you'll be instantly better in months. I can't promise you'll be instantly better in years. The renewing of your mind is going to take time. It's going to be a, it's going to be a process. But if you start today, tomorrow will be way better. And, not, and see, what the thing is, is that you have to remember, you're not just saved. You're not just saved. Your mind is being renewed. It's a process. It continues over and over and over again. It's, it's not just this one thing. So every morning you have to wake up and you have to go, today is going to be new. Today is going to be different. Today I'm going to do something different. You have to train your brain to fire in a new synapsis. You have to go in this new direction. The neural pathways have to be changed. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to help you live out the promises of Jesus. That's what I want to do. That's the goal here. And so some of that is going to, re it's going to require some painful steps on your part because we're going to go, you need to eliminate some things. Like I'm telling you now, we need to start eliminating some TV. We need to start eliminating some other things. We need to spend more time in our word. We need to spend more time with God. And we need to spend more time probably in nature. And I know that you're like, Mike, it's 100 degrees outside. Okay. Get up earlier. When it's not 100 degrees outside. Simple as that. You're like, Mike, it's 100 degrees. Well, stop waking up like a teenager at 3.30 in the afternoon. Get up at 9 o'clock in the morning. Get up at 10 o'clock in the morning and watch some football. You know, I mean, like, go out and actually watch the football, though. Like, don't just sit there and be like, hey, do you know, I just, I heard this this week, and so I wanted to bring it up. Do you know that in the 60s and the 70s, before the advent of everybody having air conditioning, right? You know what people used to do? They would sit on their porch and drink lemonade and drink iced tea. And you know what would happen? The neighbors would be out doing the same thing. And so you would talk to the neighbors. You'd be like, hey, neighbor, you want some lemonade? You want some iced tea? How about just sitting on the porch and spending some time with your neighborhood? It's really that simplistic. You don't have to be like, hey, we're going to go hike Muir Woods today. No, we're, we're going to go climb Everest this year. No, you're not. Stop. That's not even a goal you should set. Right? I, you know, more people die on Everest than in X and make it to the top. So don't try and do that. But that's, 
So that's the thing is that you have to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts or start moving. So here's what John 14, 27 says. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. What is the world giving you? What is the world giving you? Depression, anxiety. You, 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 have, you have this whole stress that you've never experienced before. You've, you've had this whole thing where we've never before had people that stress eat or it, 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 any of these things. We've never experienced this thing. The world is giving us terrible health. The world is giving us terrible things. The world is giving us high blood pressure, anxiety levels that are off the charts. All of these things, this is what the world is giving you. This is what Netflix has given you. This is what social media has given to you. It's amazing that the people that invented the social media don't allow their kids on it. You guys know that? The people that, are, that invented social media don't allow their children to be on it. Why do you think that is? Because they know how toxic it is. They know what it is. They know what's happening there. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not a peace, my peace. I never, ever saw Jesus hurried. I never see Jesus. And when you read scripture, even when his best friend was dying, he's all, I've got an important work to do here for my father. I'll be there when I can. That's what I have to do. It was three days later that Lazarus was dead when he finally showed up and he said, hey, Lazarus, it's time to get up out of that grave. It's time to move. Three days later, you know, if your best friend was dying, what do you do? Get there. Not Jesus. Jesus was like, oh, I, got, I, got, I got important work in front of me. He wasn't trying to race home to watch the Netflix show. He wasn't trying to race home to go watch the 49er game. He wasn't trying to watch, race home and go watch the Raiders lose. He wasn't trying to watch it. He was just like, he was like I just got to get, I got to go, and I got to do the work that's before me. If you're a Raiders fan, I'm actually not a Raiders hater. I think it's just funny. I, I, like, I'd, rather like, I'd love to see them win. I'd love to see the Niners win. I'd love to watch them face off. So here's the thing. If they're playing against one another in the Super Bowl, I want the Niners to win. But until that, I want them both to win. I like to talk trash. That's all. That's good. So if you're a Raiders fan, I'm sorry. But, you know. <laughs> so they, a, a peace, a peace they do not give, by the way. You know, it's like you sit in front of that TV and struggle sometimes. Same things with the Niners, though. It's, it's terrible. Anyway. <laughs> When did he promise his peace? When did he promise it? I want you to know he promised it the night before his, of his suffering. That's when he promises this. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. That's where it is. That shalom, that word shalom, that, 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 that peace that we hear, when you start to get this, 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 this presence of peace, peace can hear bad news. Peace can lose a job and still be okay. Peace can, can continue as a marriage is struggling. Peace can continue going as a child is rebelling. And you can have peace when money is tight. You can have all of those things when you're in the presence of God. See that word shalom again, the presence and peace from God the world cannot give. And it can't take it away either. That you have to be seeking God for it and you have to be moving in that direction. Back to 1 Thessalonians 5. And we're going to go back to this verse 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You have to be seeking him for this. You have to be going in that direction. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So here's, here's what I want to do. We got a couple minutes. What I want you to do is I want you to take, I gave you a journal. As you walked in, if you don't have one, we'll give you one right now. But what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment and I want you to write down what you need to remove from your life in order to start having peace. If you, if you need one, just raise a hand. We'll bring one to you. But I want you to just go, hey, what do I need to remove? What do I need to start taking out of my life to start seeking God for peace? Because that is where we desperately need to be at right now. We desperately need to be seeking God for peace. And so what do we need to remove? Now, you don't have to remove all of it, right? Because I'm not telling you, hey, cut the cable, stop with all that stuff, don't have TV in your house at all. I'm not doing that at all. I don't want you to get this mindset of going, Mike told me I got to get rid of the TV. No, I'm not saying that at all. Now, if TV's a problem for you, then maybe you should get rid of it. Like, it, 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 but if it's not a problem for you, and if it's your only source of life, then, then you should keep it. You know, I, I mean, just realize that, you know, hey, this is what it is. 
But what is it that you need to remove? Like if you're a 33-year-old and you smell, you should probably get rid of the video games. I mean, it's just how it is. <laughs> at least shower at least once in a while so nobody knows that you play video games all the time. So what is it that you, so write down and just start, and nobody's going to collect these, nobody's picking them up. What I want you to do is I want you to just go back and I want you to be able to look at this and go, this is what I've needed to remove from my life. This is what I need to take out that's stopped, that's being this, this, this thing that stopped me from actually doing what God has asked me to do, what stopped me from having the hope and, this, and having this direction that God has put before me. What is it that I need to take out? Each one of us has something though, at least one thing. Some of us have multiple things. Some of us have a lot that you go, I need to get rid of this. I need to get rid of these things. I need to take this away. I need to delete Facebook from my phone. I need to delete Instagram, Pinterest, whatever it is that's taking you up. Well, I need to get rid of Snapchat. I need to get rid of this. And I know that some of you are doing this because, and I'm not saying, if you're making money from it, then you need to continue doing it. But if you're not making money from it, it's taking you away from God's true purpose. And if you're not sharing God, like if you're not sharing Jesus through Instagram and you're not doing that, then what are you doing with it? What are you doing I mean, what is it that you're doing? Because, like, if you're going, and, and, and so we have somebody in here right now who's kind of a weight loss influencer, and so you should just know that, you know, follow her. I, I'll tell you to do that. And uh, you can meet her at the words and come, come have a conversation with her. But here's the thing is that when you do that, right, and you have, to, you have to utilize your channel, you're helping somebody with good, but you also have this spiritual input. If you have a, if you have a platform, if God gives you a platform, what are you using it for? What are you using that, that platform for? You know, what is it that we're, you know, like, if you have all of this stuff, if God's going, this is what I want you to do, what are you using it for? If you're just using it for your own self-greed and your own gratification, man, you're in the wrong, you're going in the wrong direction. And so I'm not telling you to get rid of those things that you're using that platform for his good. I'm not telling you to get rid of those things that you're going, hey, this is the direction I'm going. What I am telling you is to get rid of the things that take away from the, the God of peace. That's what I'm telling you. Take away Get rid of the things that take away from the God of peace. Get away from the things that give you anxiety. Give, get away from the things that start learning your triggers and start removing those away from your life. Start going, I can't do that anymore. I can't watch that show. I can't do this. Like, if, you, if you're tired of being depressed, stop watching the Raider games. I mean, it's just how it goes. <laughs> so, by the way, I will be very clear about this. Everybody knows that the Raiders are amazing for the first eight games of the season, and then they suck for the last eight games. That's how it works. That's how it goes. So everybody knows this. So they're going to be great all through preseason. Everybody's going to go, yes, they're going to be good this year. And then at game nine, you're going to be like, they suck. You know, that's how it works. And so if anybody thinks any different, come prove it to me, because they haven't been to the Super Bowl since like the 80s, by the way. And so, <laughs> I know. It's, actually, I don't watch it anymore, so I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll check the scores. That's why I don't know they won yesterday. I have no idea. I was like, oh, they won yesterday. It's preseason again. You know, they, they beat the scrubs from the other team. I mean, it's home. <laughs> I'm just playing. I told you I want them to win, too, so I'm glad that they won. Oh. I, I'm just playing. I hope. I think it's funny. You guys laugh every time I say it, so I'm going to keep doing it, by the way. It's, it's the Even the Raider fans are like, yeah, we do suck, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so, back to Jesus. Father, forgive me for, for talking about your favorite team. I don't know. <laughs> God's a Raiders fan. He loves so many of those guys on that team, and, 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 he, and he weeps for them week after week. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, let me, let me bring this back in. <laughs> what is it that's taking you away from God, right? What is it that's taking you away from God? So is it TV? What is it? What is it? And, and so here's the things, is that if you can start removing things little by little, and you can start training your mind to focus more on Jesus and doing what God has called you and what Jesus has called you to do, then you will find that you'll have more peace. And that's really what we're after. We want to get rid of the anxiety. We want to get rid of the depression. And the best way to do that, you know, it's, I will tell you that even as of lately, for my, at our house, it's been often, much more as of late, that instead of whenever the TV's on, instead of me actually spending a whole lot of time watching TV, I've usually got a book in front of me now, and I'm reading a book as things are going in. And, 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 and I really don't care what's on. Like, you know, Melissa goes, hey, is it okay if I watch this? I don't care. I don't care what you watch, because I'm not really interested in it. There's, it's just not sucking me in that way. It's just, it's not that good. 
I'm not saying that she sucked into the TV, but she sucked into the TV. She's like, hey, let me get home and turn it off. I, I tell you, I li- so in the past, you would know this if, you were, if you've been a long-time attender. I live under a bus, and I let it run me over and back, me, <laughs> back over me, and I might as well have just built a doghouse outside for me to permanently go live in because I used to do it all the time. And uh, I don't live in that. I just, I just go out there, and, and she, she gets mad at me. She does. She does. She does. So here's the thing. <laughs> She'll do it to me later. She's going to get up here as soon as she gets a microphone and be like, I got some stuff for you. No, and, no. she doesn't do that. She's just like, mm, wait until later, buddy. <laughs> but so the, here's the thing is that just start refocusing your attention to things that are, you know, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's a book that's helping you in leadership development, whatever it is, just start refocusing your attention to things that glorify God and, and take you in that direction. All right, I'm going to close in prayer before I put my foot in my mouth again and uh, say some things that I shouldn't say, whether it's to raise my wife, and uh, we're going to move forward and close out. (laughs) Father, thank you. Thank you for this awareness that you've given us. Even when you've given us this anxiety that we feel, this depression that we feel, it it is a sign that something is wrong and that we need to draw nearer to you. Father, as we as we experience this, help us and guide us to the direction that you would have us, to, that we would find that perfect peace that you offer. Help us, find, help us find peace in our anxiety. Help us find peace in, in our job loss. Help us find peace in our, in our lack of finances. Help us find peace in these things to where we know that you are still providing, that you are still caring, that you are still loving, and that you are still guiding our footsteps each and every day. Father, help us have this this new life that is promised in 2 Corinthians. You say that the old is gone and the new, is, the new starts. Help us have that new life. Help us have this newness that we experience each and every day, the renewing of our mind, and help us have a new heart that your word speaks of, to help us remove the calluses of past hurts and, the past, and, the, and all the past wrongs that have happened to us, the past abuses, the past everything that's prevented us from actually drawing near to you, to where we truly have a relationship with you, Help us remove those things, the obstacles, the barriers, the facade that we've built, thinking that everything is perfect and letting and the, the people around us think that everything's all together. Help us remove that to where people can see that we need help. Each one of us is struggling. Each one of us is hurting. Each one of us needs you. Father, help us stay on the narrow path that leads to you. Too easily we fall back to the road that is wide and broad and that leads to destruction. Too easily we go back to that. And if our lives look like everybody else's lives around us, then we know that we're probably not on the narrow path because the narrow path is difficult and only few are on it. Help our lives be a little different. Help our lives be weird. Where people look and they go, hey, there's something different about them and they're moving in this direction that seems to have this peace that transcends all understanding that we are experiencing here. Help us have that. Help us be on this path that, is, that people are going, I want that. And it, and it makes one of these things there where people will draw near to us and we get to share our testimony in the gospel because people want what we have. They don't want to see us continue to struggle just like they do. They want that peace that only you offer. Father, guide our steps. Guide our words. Guide our thoughts. Guide our hearts. Father, thank you. And it's in your son, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen.